We acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians of the land where we're recording. We pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging, and to all Indigenous peoples worldwide who are listening in. My name is Bridget and today we'll be chatting to Ella Leoncio, who's a principal at Chamberlain Architects. Thanks Ella for your time and also thanks to Anon for the beautiful introductory music. So Ella, if you could begin with introducing yourself and discussing a little bit about your role. Uh, yeah, I'm a principal at Chamberlain Architects and in some ways my career path has been unusual in that I've been in my job for a really long time. Yeah. So um, I actually started at, um, well, the company was called Bureau at the time, but I started at Bureau in my year out at uni. Oh, So I was there as a student. Oh, that's awesome. And then um, pretty much haven't left. So so, I mean, the business has gone through a few different transitions since then. So it was Bureau and then it was Chamberlain Jabbins and now it's Chamberlain. Um, but essentially I've been working with the director, Glenn Chamberlain, since I was 21, which was a really long time ago. <laughs> That's amazing. And so how has the office changed? I mean, it's changed a lot. If I think about, you know, even five years ago, that feels like a very different place to when I was 21. Yeah. Um, and I guess when we were Bureau, we used to do a lot of um, – hospitality and a little bit of institutional as well yeah um whereas once we shifted into Chamberlain Javins it became um quite residential focus and then Chamberlain is kind of still residential focus but we are doing a few kind of odds and ends as well mm. so we've got um like a winery project oh, wow. moment, which is fun and I'm working on a bathhouse, which is great. Oh, amazing. <laughs> yeah, dream job. So. <laughs> Where is it? Uh, in Collingwood. Oh, so it's cool. a little, in a little warehouse um, oh. on Easy Street. So not too far from Good Vibes Yoga. Oh. So you do yoga and go oh. have a bath. Oh, my God. Perfect. <laughs> I, actually, great I actually signed up to Good Vibes. <laughs> oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> you go there. Great, great. Watch out. It's opening soon. Oh, <laughs> And so where did you study? Did you study in Melbourne? Yeah, so I studied at Melbourne Uni and, yeah, they had the year out program. So I did that between third and fourth year and then continued working part-time at Bureau while Mm. I was studying and then stayed on as a a grad and Mm. kind of never left. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, yeah, I guess my role has kind of kept evolving in that time. And I guess that's why I've stayed there for so long. Like if if I'd started as a student and kind of got stuck doing the same thing then obviously I would have left but yeah I kind of felt like I was being continually challenged and given new responsibility and yeah um and, and probably a lot of trust along the way which I think and a lot of autonomy so that kind of is a good motivator to stay <laughs> yeah for as long as I have <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure and so how did it work were you was there at one point where you made a big jump from um not being uh sorry what was the role called principal yeah not being a principal what yeah. were you before that were you like an associate or something uh, like or did just you just like a of... senior architect I guess yeah. um and yeah I think once I got given that role I would say that there was a, quite a shift like the, yeah. the incre- incremental growth from being a student to a senior architect um there were probably no huge leaps it was kind of a slow growth and yeah. learning um, but once I became a principal, it was much more about 
kind of leading and working with other people rather than having kind of my own project and just being doing that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And that was like quite challenging at the beginning. And, you know, I'd been working with these people as my peers and all of a sudden I was in this different kind of position. Yeah. um, Which was strange. Um, It was kind of fortunate in that we had a bit of turnaround at that time. So we had a few new people and that was kind of a chance for me to kind of up my game (laughs) a little bit and start trying to think as a leader and start start trying to – because I think there's a really big difference between – doing something on your own and doing this project mm-hmm. and then um, just checking in with someone. Like yeah. c- kind of the familiarity that I was used to in running a project was kind of a bit of a different sort of relationship. Yeah. Um, so that took a little bit of um, getting used to. Yeah, um, I, could definitely, <laughs> I could definitely imagine. And just, um, yeah, being taking – the responsibility for that and probably yeah. like a little bit of stress that comes with that too. <laughs> yeah. um, but, and then at the same time, I also now have this opportunity to kind of drive the business in the direction that I want. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I've always had a say, but once you get given that kind of position, it's like this is a really, this really is an opportunity to kind of make it whatever I, I want. So yeah. That's, <laughs> that's quite cool. exciting. Yeah. And so yeah. what... What are your thoughts on that? Like, uh, is it, do you see Chamberlain Architects, you mentioned you're about six to eight sort yeah. of size. Do you want to stay, keep it small and work on um, those sort of, like the type of projects that you're yeah. on? Do you want it to grow? Are there different typologies yeah. that you want to move into? Or, yeah, um, what are your aims? I think, at, well, lately we've been, we've been kind of this size for a few years now. Yeah. And at one point we were 20 back when we were oh, bureau, right. so that, and And we found that quite a challenging yeah. time. So for a while we were like, let's just stay small yeah. and do the projects that we want. Yeah. Um, but now that I feel like we, in the last few years, we really kind of established all of our systems and have worked out how to do things the best way we can. And we've got really good staff um, and kind of thinking into the future, I think we probably do want to grow a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it's partly to so that people have somewhere to go Right. the practice because otherwise if you stay really small, um, we want to have an incentive for, like, the really good people that we want to stay. Yeah. <laughs> to stay. And, yeah. um, you know, you can't have a practice that's, like, super top-heavy with nothing else. So right. know, people that we want to hold on to want to stay there for as, as long as possible if preferably forever. <laughs> Actually, yeah, like before we started, you, we were kind of talking a little bit about hiring new people and yeah. the change around of staff. Like yeah. what sort of things do you feel you're doing in your practice to encourage people to stay in? Well, I guess yeah. also as well to foster their growth and to, yeah. yeah, like what, yeah, what kind of things do you think your practice is thinking about? Yeah. Um, well, we – something that I kind of like to – I mean, I'm sure Glenn as well – is um, – kind of getting that right balance of challenge and um but support yeah so I think um giving people as much autonomy as they're comfortable with is yeah. um a really good thing and I know that and I guess it's different for different people but for most people and I know for myself to be given um that kind of freedom and independence and trust um really is quite um, makes it a nice place to work, I think, rather yeah. than being micromanaged. Yeah. Um, so we try and do that. Um, and another thing we try and do... Just to drop some. Who is that? Um, 
okay. If it keeps going on for like two more minutes, I'm going to okay. go and find it. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Okay, I'm just yeah, another thing that I try and do, and particularly with the new staff, is catch up with them, say, once a quarter. Oh, cool. And um, we were doing it as kind of like a um, graduate program. So when someone starts and they're looking towards registration, I've got this kind of like checklist of things, like things that we're wanting to achieve, both for our office and skilling people up, but also for them to reach, um, you know, what they need to do for mm. registration. So we, I'll sit down with people. I'll have a catch up once a quarter and say, okay, how are we tracking with these things? Mm-hmm. And then it's a really good opportunity to just check in and make sure that people are getting the experience that they need and also to just say, are you happy? You know, is there anything yeah. bothering you? Yeah. Um, what can we do to support you? And yeah. All that kind of stuff. So I think that that kind of helps make sure that people are happy and mm-hmm. sufficiently challenged or, yeah getting the type of work that they want to be doing. Yeah, and as a um, principal, how important is it to you to have that line of communication? Oh, so important. (laughs) (laughs) So important, it's like number one. Yeah. um, And that was probably the biggest realisation when I moved into this role, that it's Mm. actually um, less about architecture and more about dealing with people. Wow. And to some degree clients, but more so just dealing with the people in the office to make mm. sure that everyone's um, happy and, <laughs> and yeah. you know, that they want to be there and they're in an environment that they can work the best that they can. And yeah. Um, that's, yeah, probably the biggest part of my role that felt very new. Mm. And, you know, you learn a lot of things at uni, but that's kind of something you don't really learn. Yeah. Because um, there's a lot of yourself in, involved in that as well. Yeah. And yeah. I think... <laughs> It's funny because as architects, like, well, I studied interior design and then I did architecture. Okay. And in interiors, we worked very much on our own. We never really did group projects. Yeah. Like, I think I did one. And then in architecture, obviously, you do, like, quite a few group projects yeah. here and there. But it still is kind of on your own. Like, I think yeah. even at uni in the group projects, you can, to a certain point, just be like, if it's not working or something, yeah. I think you don't really have to face it. You can yeah. sort of just let it slide by or, you know, <laughs> yes, yeah. get to the end of the semester and do what you need to do. Yeah. Um, but in the office, yeah, you're kind of faced – you face yourself, I feel like. And you, you, <laughs> yeah. you, 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 it causes you to think about, yeah, how you respond to things. And yeah. You must find that as a principal, like, yeah, um, yeah thinking about – different personality types and how, how to get how to work the best with people yeah yeah I, I actually ended up doing this um women in leadership course that oh I found. okay it was through through the institute right um newsletter I think yeah um and I think it has some association with Monash it's like a okay um like one module of their business degree I don't know. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure anyway yeah. it taught me about like um like the basics of being in a leadership role yeah and I found that really really helpful because um they kind of they they touched on a lot of kind of leadership concepts and stuff and for me that was totally foreign and Mm. I've never really come across any of it and um it actually reinforced that idea of giving people as much um autonomy as possible which made me feel feel better because as a leader am I supposed to be like you know knowing everything and Mm. um but they really push the idea of trusting people and knowing when um 
where your limitations lie and how someone else can help you and all that mm-hmm. stuff and to, to kind of give people as much, um, you know, make them make the decisions rather than you feeling like you have to make the decision for them mm. is actually um, better for everybody. Yeah. So, yeah, that, I found that that course kind of quite helpful mm. and kind of solidified my approach and made me feel like, oh, no, that's, that's <laughs> doing the right things. So. Yeah, that's cool. And so how long did it go for? How many sessions was it? Um... It was an online course and then there were three three or four full-day sessions yeah. in person. Um, and it went for about maybe eight months. I oh, think. wow. Yeah, That's so it was quite long. Cool. And it was a group of women in lots of different disciplines. So, oh, um, cool. It was like there were some people who went to Telstra, for example, oh. and then BMW. So my, my it, you know, at times it was a bit kind of corporate, but mm. I think some of the principles still mm-hmm. applied. And it was kind of interesting to see lots of different personalities and how they could how all these different personalities could operate as leaders. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. And that was another thing that I talked about as well, that you've got to like find your voice and there's not this like one way to do it. And um yeah, it was, we'd have all these group exercises and kind of role play type things and you'd just see how different people um would operate and talk to people and I yeah. just found that really interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. so interesting. And so um in your role at the moment do you, when you have staff or when you've had staff over the years, yeah. do you look at people in any way sort of as a certain personality type or like introverted yeah. or extroverted? Do you sort of, yeah, do you see things that maybe aren't so personal in whether you, it's not about whether you like someone or you don't like someone? Yeah. Yeah, it's more about seeing who they are and how they function. Like are there sort of yeah. things like that? Is that? Has it changed the way that you look at people? Can't, yes and no. Like yeah. that, there was actually an exercise that we did in the class where you did a little personality test and you got um, one of – oh, no, you sometimes got a com- combination, but there's kind of four personality types mm. in the workplace. Um, there was – see if I can remember this. There was um, <laughs> analytical that's yeah. really detailed um, and wants to get, like, everything perfect. Um, there's the driver who's, like, wants – is really task-oriented, likes to, like, tick the box, get it, get it done and, like, you know – charging to the finish line <laughs> um there's amiable that's like a real people pleaser and what was the other one expressionist who is like the big personality with the big ideas and I, I, my results were actually not what I was expecting oh, <laughs> to get. What did you um, get I actually got part, half driver and half expression expressionist or whatever it was yeah um and I thought I was going to get a little bit more of that amiable yeah, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> but they kind of gave us some ideas about, you know, you, you deal with all these different personality types and they've got really different interests and different ways of thinking. Yeah. So when you communicate with someone who is a driver, for example, who wants to know about the big picture, the way you communicate with them is going to be very different to dealing yeah. with an analytical person who wants to know all the details, all the information. Um, yeah, and and... I guess, like, I kind of did a little study of thought of a couple of people in our, our office and I think I was already kind of doing that. Like, yeah. I think we naturally just kind of gauge how people um, communicate and what yeah. they're interested in. So I think I was kind of already doing that, but now I'm kind of, like, that little bit more mm. attuned to it, I guess. Yeah. yeah, and so what other stuff have you been involved in outside of your current role? Yeah, so you've had like some pretty awesome experience in other areas as well. So there's two of them that I wanted to ask you about. <laughs> yeah. One is your um your writing 
for Yellow yeah. Trace and Architecture yeah. A Architecture Media. Yeah, that's um, right. And also, yeah, your experiences in temporary and set design which yeah. sounds really cool. Are there any overlaps in those? Or you said you had a, um, um, a blog, which sounds yeah. Really cool. So, <laughs> so I think um, I guess part of having worked in like a similar role the last fifteen years, <laughs> I've been quite, like I try and be quite active in learning what I can through other avenues because yeah. whilst it's been like a really good workplace I think the ability to kind of diversify the way I think is really valuable um so one of the ways I kind of dealt with that was um to start a blog which probably started I don't know might have been like five years ago and I did yeah. that for a couple of years yeah um and through that I got an opportunity to become a contributor at Yellow Trace. So, so cool. Which was really exciting. I remember the day Dana emailed me and she said, would you want to be like a, a contributor? And I'd never communicated with her before. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'd just been reading her blog, you know, every day for however long and all of a sudden it was like, oh, she's talking to me. <laughs> oh, my God, that's crazy. <laughs> so that was exciting. <laughs> so I did that for almost two years, I think. So I was doing it once a fortnight and that was really good to get and also good just to get exposure. I got lots of kind of bizarre opportunities through. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw, I saw a few of them online. So how does it work? Do you, um, are there, is there sort of like a list of current stories that she's like curated in? Oh, God, it's over there. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> so loud. <laughs> Um, yeah, like, oh, let me just close the window. No. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, is there a, how is it curated and how do you contact the people that you're going to interview for it or to write about? Um, well, I guess when she start when Dana started, um, it was still pretty small. Like when we was, when I had started writing for her, it was still pretty small. Mm. Um, and I think we started by me just putting ideas forward of like, these are some things I want to write about. I'd oh, send cool. her like maybe three or four things and she'd pick one and we'd run with that. Um, but then as her blog kind of grew and she, you know, it was getting a bit more official, <laughs> we started contacting the um, ethical designers and just, making sure that they were happy with it, would ask them right. questions and then send us high-res images. Yeah. Um, so that probably started happening about halfway through mm. um, the time I was writing there. And then, because that was quite a long process to go back and forth, from that point it was more that she would say, these are some things you want, you could write about, which one do you want to pick and I'd pick one. <laughs> so it started going kind of backwards. Oh, that's so <laughs> um, cool. So it actually kind of sounds like, so you were involved like quite early on. Yeah. In, in, as, that sounds like maybe some of the, yeah, like you've had like a good input into like from the experience of your blog, like yeah. maybe the way that you worked or the things that you wrote about. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, she must have silently been like reading my blog because I thought only my mum was. So she kind of knew what I was interested in and, yeah, she would just put those kinds of things forward, which is good. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah. And so like what's an example of one, um, yeah, like one story that you wrote about? Oh, gosh. Well, I think it actually started – the one I do remember is I um, – because it started when she had a baby. Oh. So she had a baby and then she took um, a bit of time off. Right. So she organised a whole bunch of um, contributors to write one story. 
What's her background? Is she an architect or an interior designer? She's an interior designer. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so I wanted to write about hand-drawn, just hand-drawn media, I guess, and mm. architecture. And so I just put together these posts and um, gathered a few images and things like that. Cool. And then after that, she was like, that, you know, I was really happy with what you did, so let's do this more regularly. I was like, oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> That was, yeah, that's probably the, the one I remember the most because it was the best one and I spent so much time on it and really yeah. wanted to get it right. <laughs> so that was, yeah, and then once we had that ongoing thing, that was really good. And I think it was through writing for Yellow Trace, um, I met Cassie Hansen from Architecture okay. Media. I think it was at like some launch or something. Yeah. And um, she'd seen my writing on Yellow Trace and she was like, oh, you should get in contact and maybe you can do some writing for me. Great. Um, so I started doing a bit of writing for Cassie mm. and then um, started writing for Caitlin for Houses as well. Right. And that was really great. And so that's kind of just been an ongoing thing for the last, I think, like four years now. Mm. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, and, and normally for those ones, they'll approach me and say, would you be interested in writing this? Mm. And, yeah. That's so cool. And do you think that having had that experience um, – has it also shaped your role in the practice and has it kind of fed back into your perspective and your, like, design, like the way yeah, that you design it? I think so. And I think um, particularly with the architecture media ones because we always go out to um, the site, scene in the flesh, talk to the designer. Often it's, like, at least an hour conversation yeah. about um, what they've done. I find, like, that's my favourite part. Of the whole thing. <laughs> and you, you probably know it's a similar thing to yeah. interviews. Yeah. Um, just like meeting with people and seeing how they can, just the, the style of communication, number mm. one, I find really interesting. Yeah. Um, and also, like, I think there's all these things that as architects you do as default. Um, you know, you, you kind of have these rules that you put in place. You know, I always do this, I never do that. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I'll come across something and it'll either like solidify why I do what I do or kind of challenge and go, oh, actually, there's this other way of yeah. doing it. Or like even highlight that you're even doing it because, like, um, yeah, there'll be some designers who'll say, oh, we always do this. And you're like, oh, yeah, I think I do that too. And it had never really – it was never a conscious decision yeah. that that was what I was doing. Yeah. Um, so I think those interviews and seeing work in the flesh really kind of at least um, highlight, like, where I'm positioning myself, I yeah. guess. Um, so, yeah, I think that, that that's really valuable. And, and just seeing work in the flesh is just amazing, especially houses because yeah. it's really hard to – to see those in person. Um, so I feel like that's a huge privilege to be able to go into people's houses and talk to the designers and often the owners as well. Um, yeah, it's sort of a whole other set of skills. Like now that you say that, it sort of, yeah, it makes me think back to uni and how often we study stuff on paper, which is valuable. Yeah. But I think, I do think there could be a bit more of a push to, yeah, go out and see stuff and study stuff that's, yeah. like, partway through construction or the finished, like, yeah. product. Um, because so many of, like, the references that I have in my mind are from books or they're from online, which yeah. is – it's good, but, yeah, yeah it's, it's a whole – the same as being there. And, I, like, even in our own projects, like, once it's gone to handover, you kind of leave and that's it. Yeah. Um, whereas these projects – like, I get to sit in the house and have a cup of tea, you know, it's really quite weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't even – 
spend this much time in my own <laughs> <completed> <laughs> project. So yeah. it's, it's really a, a nice thing to be able to see completed work and um, and then to hear the designer talk about it and what it was they were trying to do. I find that really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, and it's just helped me, like, connect with lots of different people as well. Mm. Um, yeah, I've met so many people doing That's it. So, so cool. Yeah. And, yeah, how it's being used and, like, yeah, the yeah. personal side of it as well. Do you ever meet the clients when you're there? Yeah, well? sometimes. Yeah. The one I did recently, <laughs> I sat down, like, they were kind of having lunch. <laughs> I sat down, I was like, this is very intimate. But it was great because you get to really see how people use the house, you know. It's mm. pretty rare that you get to see that. Yeah. Um, and sometimes the client's there and sometimes they're not. In this yeah. particular house, I thought it was really good to have them there to talk about what it was like living in the house because it sounded like um, – it's a house that Archie did in oh, Kobeg. Okay. Right. Um, and the client had a really clear idea of how they, she wanted the house to function um, and then to kind of – hear her then talk about what it's like to live in it was kind of interesting mm. to see how that evolved and yeah and what the architect's role in that was as well yeah what were her thoughts on it was she sort of did, has the article been released yet no i have to write it tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> i can't write it yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry i'm distracted by the deadline what's the question <laughs> like, what is it about um, yeah, like, did she have any interesting thoughts on the process? Yeah, I think because um, she had um, a really clear idea of what she wanted to do, but then at the same time I think she was really open-minded about um, ideas that they would put forward. So I met with Chris Gilbert from Art here and he yeah. um, talked about, you know, she said she wanted this and then we challenged that and did this. And mm. it sounded like she was really sometimes like a bit like whoa that's what I was expecting but was actually pretty open to it and I think that they got a really good result that um that they're really happy with and Mm -hmm. is really livable for them as a family um, which was really nice to see yeah Yeah. that is so cool um it sounds though as well like with your career and um your work in the practice and also this other stuff you have like this perspective on it that's quite personable and quite like maybe inquisitive into how people operate um yeah do you think that's something that has just come about over time did you ever because I often think back to uni and I think about the stuff that was in my head then versus now and I'm just in such a different place (laughs) it must be the same for you like I I think as well in residential projects you must have to consider um, and have that more, yeah, that different relationship with the clients. Yeah, it's very intimate. <laughs> and it's such a long relationship as well. So yeah. Do, yeah, really good to know. <laughs> what have been some of the challenges? Like working in residential and, like, have there been any challenges that have come from being so involved with, say, a couple or have there been, been any personal kind of things that have happened over the years? Um, yeah. I guess the challenge is always, like, they're coming with at it from their perspective and and you're there to kind of help shape what it is that they want and trying to kind of get into the psyche of what is it that they're trying to get at is mm. always the challenge. Mm. Um, and I think, I, I think I'm getting a bit better, <laughs> getting better at that with time. Because, yeah. you know, someone might come to you with an idea that's like, that's so different to how... I would approach it yeah um, and if that's the case and I think that what they're saying what they're suggesting is going to be a bad outcome then it's um about kind of drawing out the reasons why uh you know because sometimes people will come with a brief and they'll kind of tell you 
um, what they think the outcome should be rather than what the problem is. Um, so if you kind of dig deep enough, you can find mm. out what the pro- problem is and then try and solve it in a way that mm. you think feels um, right for you know, the way you're approaching your work. So I think that is probably kind of the biggest challenge in dealing with residential clients or the mm. things that – I mean, that's the – the thing that I kind of feel like I'm faced with all the time, that's the job. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, I think I'm getting like pretty good at understanding what it is that people are trying to try that. Mm. And how do you encourage, like, if you go into, um, do you pronounce, you pronounce it Chamberlain? Yes. yes. If, you, if you go into the Chamberlain Instagram, for example, or your yeah. website, um, you know, it's a, like a beautifully curated Instagram. It looks very... Um, designer, can I say? Like <laughs> you're very, you've you've obviously considered. I mean, every architecture architectural practice has that seems to have a style or you know something yeah. that brings them together as a firm. Yeah, the more successful ones certainly, in my opinion, do. Um, yeah, how do you communicate that to your clients? Because yeah, yeah, um, how do you? Is that something that's in your mind to be, yeah, thinking about? Because it's not just it's not just the functionality as well. Yeah. Your firm also is yeah. has you know they're beautiful spaces. So yeah, yeah how do, uh, do you have clients that kind of push back on that, or do people kind of expect that of a practice like such as yours? Yeah, it kind of uh, there there is pushback sometimes. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think. Um, like, it, it's funny, it really depends on where the clients come from. So, like, if there are people who come from their website, often, from the website or the Instagram, oh. then often they kind of, like, have an idea in their mind of what they're expecting for the space. Right. Um, we have had clients before who've come from, say, a family member and they might not really know much about architecture or what they really want. Yeah. And then um, often those are the most challenging ones because they mm. don't really know what it is that, that we're kind of interested in as a practice. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, whenever we meet a new client, we always kind of say to them, we don't really have a house style, yeah. per se. Yeah. Um, and that, like, whilst there's similarities, I think mm. if you look at the products, they're quite different. Mm. Um, and so we try and kind of give people comfort that they're, you know, it's not going to be like a control C, control B yeah. <laughs> operation yeah. and it will be really customised. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think that we that there is a bit of flexibility and um, I guess whilst there is like consistency in some of the images that you that mm. you see that come out of our practice, I think at the same time we really pride ourselves on not being the kind of arrogant architect that right. is like this is what you're going to get because this is what I think is the right answer. Yeah. Um, it is for us it's really important to be working collaboratively with collaboratively with the client and understanding what it is that they want and if if it becomes like a um a battle about you know they think they want that and we think that they want that then Mm. yeah it's that process again of like drawing out what the issue is and trying to respond to that Mm. um and also trying to be quite open-minded about seeing things from their perspective like I try to not get too kind of like no this is my way but while still offering like um you know our role is to give people guidance on what we think a good solution is. So, yeah. you know, I'm con- conscious of doing that but also having a balance of really, like, listening deeply mm. to what it is that the client's saying. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. And it's sort of, like, what I have been hearing recently, um, yeah, going 
because I've just yeah, gotten a new job, so I have been talking to people a little bit about practices and yeah. culture and maybe yeah. kind of what you're commenting on as well is having a design rigour in what you do. And, yeah. And that then, um, yeah, the output of that on something like Instagram is that it, it, you're, you are showing a series of beautiful images and it's yeah. not necessarily that every project is going to, you know, going to have this same stare, you know, yeah. like that's what happened in <laughs> yeah. that project for that particular yeah. reason. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it does kind of appear that you're a, you have been able to achieve um, a higher design sensibility in the projects that you have advertised in a unique way um, per project. Is that something that you would you say that your office is fairly design orientated yeah. um collectively like are there things that you do together to kind of flesh out ideas or yeah, yeah like what are the kind of things that you actually do in your practice to yeah. work together okay that's a good question <laughs> um and um funny you ask that because we we about six months ago we did this retreat thing oh, like oh yes i saw that it looked so cool <laughs> and it was the first time we did it was actually for a new project that we got which was really exciting yeah um so we've been recently commissioned to work with this group called life spaces group oh, okay um and what they do is they sell we we've been asked to design five houses for kind of generic block sizes right and then they'll sell 10 of each mm, okay so it's kind of like halfway between a you know a spec home yeah. and an architecturally designed home yeah. and it's really good for people who um it makes it a lot more affordable because they're doing mm. they've got the economies of scale of ordering for 10 houses cool um yeah and it's true. also um yeah economies of scale and and also um if people were kind of time poor and don't have the because it's a huge investment to mm. get a house and work with an architect it takes a lot of time and thinking and if people kind of don't want to do that but they want to have a beautiful house (laughs) then this is an option for them um and the so the client for that they've been really kind of um adamant that we do what we want basically which is quite strange you know it's basically designing without a client and because we were given this opportunity we're like okay if if there were no parameters basically you know what do we ultimately want to do and it's quite a big question. Yeah. <laughs> so we thought, let's go away. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> let's, was, let's workshop it. Yeah, so we had a full day um, where we kind of talked about, you know, everyone was there and everyone talked about what it was that interested in, what they th- thought made a good house. And yeah. um, people presented their favourite projects. And then we cool. had, um, we took one of the blocks and everyone had a go at designing something we broke up into pairs and then presented to each other and talked through them and that was really we found that so valuable um Mm. because I think there were a few things that came out of it we're like okay these are obviously common threads in things that we collectively are interested in um and that I think has really informed our work in the six months after that Mm. and um because that went so well we're like let's do another one (laughs) we did another one because we had five houses to do so we still had a couple that we were working on so we went back and um did more that is so cool Uh, and as we were talking before about how we've got a few new people as well and it was great to get them to come to kind of see you know what what our office is kind of thinking and also to contribute to that and feel like that they're they're part of that because I think um that's an important part of our office culture as well that even though like we've got 
um, you know, senior architects and grads and students. But I think we really encourage everyone to mm. kind of participate in the conversation. Yeah. I really like the idea of getting people out of the office. Yeah, it makes a huge difference. And it, it's, it's really hard to think in that way when you're like looking up file rated walls <laughs> and you've got the phone ringing and so it was really great to kind of get out and take a step back and go okay what what is it that we're trying to do on a kind of yeah scale? yeah it's so true yeah that's something as well I've been thinking a lot about recently because my ex-boyfriend and I broke up like three years ago because he wanted he very dramatically wanted to become a digital nomad and he, okay. he's a, he's a <laughs> Which she has done, and wow. <laughs> and he's an artist. You know, he's yeah. he's got a lot of like clients. So he does like um, animation and stuff. And yeah. um, on my break, it was sort of really weird how it all came about. And I actually ended up meeting up with him just recently because he came back to Melbourne and I went to Thailand, which is where he usually was like hanging yeah. out for a while in Koh Phangan. And anyway, when I was in Koh Phangan, I couldn't help but think about creativity and how. It's weird because he's for the last three years been travelling around and I was thinking, oh, I never thought about how that would support the like creative process. And then yeah. when I went away, I was like, oh, I feel so free and I feel yeah. like I can think more yeah. in the and office. think differently. Like, yeah. You kind of like step outside of the way your kind of brain ends up on tram tracks almost. And yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Stepping away from it is really, really good for you. It's so important. <laughs> and also, um, yeah, like architecture – yeah, like I love all the things we're talking about because it's like talking about the personal side of architecture and the technical side and the yeah. creative side. And I think as architects, we really have to be able to juggle all of them to yeah. achieve these like beautiful, this beautiful results. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really like that. And so, yeah, is creativity something that is it like a theme in your office? Do you think about that when you're hiring someone? Like when you yeah. actually, yeah, how do you bring people in the door? What are you looking for in staff? Um, I think it kind of always depends on the time. So, because we've just gone through the process of hiring a few people, um, it always depends on the time. And I think um, now we're trying to get really clear on what the role needs, like what we want this person X (laughs) to be doing. (laughs) Yeah. um, So that we're clear on, because there could be something really seductive over over here and over there, but it might not be the right fit for the role that we need at that particular time. Um, and, And I guess one thing that I always look for when we're looking for staff is um, I think part of the strength of our team at the moment is that people have quite different skill sets mm. and so it's a really great you know, compliment. Everyone's a great compliment to each other. Um, there's things that us, other people are really good at that I'm not good at at all and hopefully vice versa. Um, and I mean, architecture's got, like you said, so many different skill sets mm. and different things that you need to um, be good at basically and so um when we're hiring stuff and what that can be from a student to someone who's quite experienced like someone who's got like a special skill or a different a new perspective that could add to what we've got in the office is often very valuable Mm. um because I guess yeah I think like when I think about getting a diversity in the office Mm. I kind of think of diversity in thinking oh right um and if there's someone to look who's at going it. to yeah approach something in one way and you've got someone who might approach it in another way it's kind of good to get that the freshness of ideas and yeah and to be 
sometimes challenged as well. But also, I guess you're also still looking for someone who ultimately wants to work in that kind of environment. So, <laughs> yeah. so someone who's kind of like would be interested in that collective goal of um, designing beautiful houses but also has like a fresh perspective that could, mm. they could offer that we might not have in the office at the time. And you can never really prescribe what that might be because people are complex. <laughs> you just don't, never know. So. Yeah, that's yeah. so true. Yeah, that's definitely something I'm thinking about myself because I've yeah walked into an office that is really established and, yeah. Um, yeah, like I'm really enjoying it. But at the same time, I think whenever you change roles – you think about your own skill set yeah and sometimes I actually yeah I follow um, Sally Cap, the Lord Mayor on Instagram because um I don't know why I do it to do <laughs> 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 I saw she put up this quote recently that was like um yeah like what you don't know is like benefit to others or something because you know other things um, yeah 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 we always we can be a bit critical in architecture and, yeah um yeah always worry about stuff so what um you've also been involved in some set and some yeah. fashion and dance which is really cool like <laughs> was fun. How, how did that come about um well i got really interested in contemporary dance kind of in in my mid-twenties, that makes me feel really old. <laughs> in my twenties. <20s. laughs> um, but I got really interested in it and I started doing lots of classes at Chunky Move. Oh, um, did you? I actually really want to do that. Oh, myself. really? I got yeah. really obsessed. I was doing like three a week and really? I made like really great friends that I'm still friends with now. Oh, that's and awesome. It was really like, and I used to see so many shows. Yeah. It was just... Um, yeah, I had this like little dance gang and we were really <laughs> Did you do dance in your youth? No, oh, just, a little bit. I yeah. did like jazz yeah. in high school, but yeah. not for long. But yeah, once I started doing contemporary, I just really, really loved it and yeah. got really interested in <laughs> yeah. um, And um, kind of as a separate thing, a friend of my friend Caitlin, who's well, working with me on the um, Bath House actually, it's oh. a collaboration with Caitlin and Sarah from um, Hearth Studios. Okay. Caitlin's from Set Square Studio, but she okay. used to work with me at back at Bureau. Oh, right. Um, and we, um, she's like super energetic and like wants to learn and do everything all the time, <laughs> which is a really great person to be around. But she had this idea that maybe we should do an installation as part of the Fringe Festival. Oh, awesome. Like, yeah, great. And it was just epic. <laughs> we really bit off. <laughs> it was really exciting. And it was great to kind of work on a project where it's totally not, um, it's totally about this experiential um, yeah, it's totally about the experience and totally about the senses. And, yeah. Um, so we did that and then I had published, like, images of that on my blog and then there was a dancer who I hadn't actually met before but he found my blog and found mm. these images and was like, I'm, I'm looking for someone to do some set design for this mm. thing and I've actually – I don't know how he figured it out that I was actually dancing at Chunky Move as well and yeah. like, maybe you'd be interested. And so um, – I ended up meeting with Jamie Spatula, who's the dancer, and um, yeah, it was, and then it kind of just went from there, and I ended up doing a set design for um, his work. Oh, that's um, so cool. It was really fun, and and he really wanted it to be a, like, more of an installation Mm. rather than a, um, you know, the audience sits back, so something that people could walk through. Yeah, like, more interactive. Yeah, which was great, like, great for me, I think, when you come from an architecture background, um, it's kind of hard to shift from mm. um, 
space as being something that you look at right. <laughs> to say space that you yes. experience. Yes. So that for me immediately felt um, really comfortable and like I was so excited. Oh yeah, <laughs> and it was really, it's like you're breaking a barrier. <laughs> yeah, and it was such a really one of the most rewarding experiences I would say it was like because James had done a whole lot of research on what he wanted this piece to be about so I kind of took that on and um basically it was about kind of perception and testing the boundaries of like human understanding of our environment (laughs) which is really interesting and so what I ended up doing was uh, like a series of um kind of mirrored one-way mirrored screen so right. if you play with the lighting you can get like it would either mirror or be like semi-transparent or transparent oh cool and so we had these i ended up building these physically building oh my God. <laughs> yeah there's some like, work, like physical work involved yeah. in set design yeah, and yeah. running around and, and i'm not that handy <laughs> <laughs> that was okay i got there in the end so uh, yeah it was like six screens and i um, they could kind of go in different configurations and I'd kind of given him some ideas of what, you know, these are some configurations mm. that I think could work well. And he just really took that and ran with oh, it. And just so like cool. It was like this little invitation and he just like the way he interacted oh. with it was just like so satisfying yeah. to see. And he, he could see what I was doing with the ones that I'd put forward and then he'd kind of come up with new ones and like – I think um, that is really, really that's so cool um yeah I actually worked on a, not that similar totally similar but a similar thing I did a um I worked in Belgium for six months for a scenographer called Shizuka Haru and she's um yeah she's very like amazing and um there's this dance which is called the green table and so um, it started in World War Two, and it's basically like a political commentary dance. Yeah. And um, there's this, there's all these characters, and there's this one character who actually it's quite like frightening. Like it's a very dark performance, but he plays the character of death, and one by one he kind of like takes all of the characters. And apparently, this performance has been basically put on like since World War Two continually. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so it's got a really crazy story behind it. And yeah, they were experimenting a lot with. Um, reflections and mirrors and I was like only assisting or was involved in like the creative concept at all but there's so much stuff that you can do with that and it kind of sounds like on that performance that you were was there a bit of a a going back and forth between yeah yeah, the dance and yeah yeah definitely definitely it was very like yeah they fed into each other a lot and because the first um the first show he first season he did was in Canberra so I flew up to Canberra oh, and then I cool. built, I actually built the sets while they were doing the development. So yeah. I was kind of like building in the same room. <laughs> so they would be dancing and I would be like just sawing. <laughs> and then when that one had a break, I'd be like, can you hold this other? <laughs> it was really, and then I would just kind of give them the screens as I was finishing it. Yeah. Um, and, but it was really, and, and James is quite a funny, like he's, he, wouldn't kind of verbally communicate that clearly. <laughs> I yeah. I'd be like, does he like it or does he not like it? <laughs> Is that he would just take the work and just do it. And I think mm. that was his that was his way of communicating, like mm. through dance. And it was like quite amazing. That yeah. It's like, okay, we really understand. We do actually really understand each other <laughs> what we're trying to do here. Yeah. It's kind of more of a physical thing <laughs> than a verbal thing. <laughs> Oh, I find that so funny because yeah. So like, I actually I did a um I did a lot of dancing 
when I was younger and I was never like particularly good, but I did oh, do it all, totally all do the way through. Yes, yes, I really yeah. want to. And I really want to do the yoga ones there. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah like yoga series. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think Joe Lloyd takes the yoga series. Oh, right. She's amazing. Oh, She's really. really <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really want to go down. Um, yeah, like I remember when I did um, my first like dance show. Because I'd done that drama and, you know, whatever, like the usual kind of stuff at school. And then yeah. they were like, we did the dance show. And I was like, oh, excuse me, like, is there any talking in the dance? And they were like, no. Like, the whole, <laughs> it went for like two hours. It was like the end of your production. They were like, no, there's no talking. And I was like, what? They are like, no, like you communicate through the dance. That's the talking. And I was like, oh, that's odd. Like, <laughs> how you tell the story like it's you know there's different <laughs> ways of communicating and um yeah it was so funny in my previous office the um the dance school that I went to they actually became our client completely oh, no by chance. <laughs> yeah it was really funny and the um like I, I love them like they're such awesome guys and yeah um my director's doing a they really good job. You? Yeah, well, I, I didn't know if they remember me or not. I, I was like, of course they remember me. But then I thought about it and I was like, oh, they probably get hundreds of students through that dance school. Like, you know, it was years ago. And then so then it was, yeah, it was pretty funny. Like the um, the director and his husband of the dance school were coming in and they were coming in they just um, – had a child and so the baby was coming in as well and then I sort of said to my boss like oh um I actually went to that dance school and he was like do you think they'll remember you and I was like I don't know and I was like thinking, I think they will and then they came in and the guy was so nice he was like hi and I was like hi and yeah so that was super odd but, um, I often I often think about that like with architecture and design like yeah. Even though I, I do believe to be a successful architect, in some ways you need to be able to talk and you need to be able to communicate yeah. and have discussions and work with people. Yeah. But I do think as well there's this other side of it that's like not talking yeah. and that's your way of communicating. Yeah. And I, I, I do also believe that, yes, yeah, similar to dance and similar to that, like what you're kind of commenting on, that that relationship that you had with him where you were be able to – you were having a conversation yeah. through this. It was just different. Yeah, <laughs> it's different. Yeah. 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 yeah, and I yeah. often feel like sometimes there's – I don't know, there's too much pressure is put on – people to communicate verbally where yeah. there are like all these other creative mediums that you can express yourself in and as architects I mean yeah you, you can't be an architect if you if if that's not one of your primary skills like this other communication and yeah. um yeah that's definitely something I'm thinking about a lot at the moment and how I think working in those sorts of environments like set design yeah it, it does start to shape the way that you see architecture and yeah. has it has that affected you in any way like the, pro, the doing those sort of temporary projects or that whole other realm of design do you think that's fed back into how you view architecture or comment yeah. on it or design I think it's probably it's all part of kind of the growth process of understanding what it feels like to be in a space and how it makes you feel so yeah. I think um and I mean, I guess that that set, which was like kind of intense, <laughs> probably different to a, sitting in your living room, but kind of yeah. just that understanding and tuning into like these subtle things that you can do in a space that change the way 
you kind of interact with your environment. Mm. I think, um, yeah, I would say that it, it did kind of contribute to that, mm. that kind of growth and understanding and constant learning that you do. Yeah, and do you think as well, like just thinking about, yeah, the images that um, you your firm publicizes i would comment that there's there do seem to be ephemeral qualities that are portrayed or perhaps it's just the way that some of the images are captured like this you know capturing that staircase that's you know being built in construction like there is like a magic behind it um yeah do you think that your residential work kind of reflects like ephemeral qualities at all Oh, it's nice that you say yeah. that. <laughs> um, it's kind of interesting to have someone else comment yeah. on what they think you're, you're yeah. doing. Um, I guess, that, I mean, I always find that really beautiful, those kinds of images. So um, to hear you say that, you think you see that is nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know if it's like a conscious decision necessarily, mm. but maybe that's just something that kind of naturally comes out of what we do. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, cool. Okay, well, I guess like one other like little thing that I'll ask you about only because it's a, uh, not only because it's a, a podcast about women. Yeah. Do you have any comments on femininity or like being a female practitioner? Is there um, anything that's like come up over the years or I know, anything that's like worth yeah? <laughs> I I feel like there've been a few moments where it has been like generally I feel like it's been a bit like in my workplace in particular um I've always felt really supported and I've never felt like my gender has been mm. an issue yeah um but having said that <laughs> I I was um I was reading the wife throughout this morning have you ever read that by Annabelle Crumb oh I, I think no I haven't I think I've heard of it yeah um, and she kind of talks about these kind of just ingrained things in our society that just mm. happen that we're almost like not conscious of. So mm. things like women not asking for pay rises or um, thinking that they're not going to um, qualify for something because they meet eight criteria, not ten. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that I definitely do those <laughs> sorts yeah. of things. And it just kind of made me think about whether those sorts of behaviours have kind of set me back mm. over time because um, I – I guess as a personality, uh, even though I got driver in that personality <laughs> test, um, I do think I'm quite, um, what's the word that I'm looking for? Like mm. um, uh, collaborative, but kind of like a, I'm, I'm not the type of person who won't budge. I'm very... Right. Um, like sort of flexible. But yeah, like, flexible. Yeah. I, know, I kind <laughs> of know what you're saying. Maybe yeah. accommodating. Yeah. Um, and... You know, I was just thinking, that has that kind of set me back at it? And, and our oh. culture kind of um, really kind of, like a Western culture anyway, mm. really rewards the kind of biggest, loudest person in the room a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I, I feel pretty fortunate to be in the position I am now, so I think, um, you know, I, I'm very grateful for that. But yeah. it's just kind of, you, it does make you wonder, like, if if I didn't have those kind of typically feminine qualities, mm-hmm. would my career look like something different? Yeah. Um, and it's not something that, yeah, it's not like some, if, if I go to work day to day and go, oh, you know, if, if I was, I don't know, if I was a man, then this would be different. It's no. not something that's kind of constantly playing in my mind. Yeah. Um, but just thinking about that kind of this morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I wonder if it, it is something that kind of shapes the way we, uh, I, I behave in the workplace and whether that 
has had any impacts on the kind of opportunities that have come forward or not. I don't know. Yeah, and maybe as well, like, if you thought about it, like, really critically, it could have, like, both a positive and a negative. Yeah. Hard, and it's like, yeah. yeah, like, I often think about that as well, like, because um, I'm meeting so many people and yeah. I'm seeing so many amazing, like, different personality types and there's so many ways to be a woman or to be a person or to yeah. be a man. Like, there's so many things that you are drawn to. You naturally, I, I feel like you kind yeah. of end up sitting in a, a role yourself and yeah, yeah it's, it's interesting to unpack that and to think as well like what are the advantages that I've got like I'm like yeah I think a lot of women kind of take on this very bubbly role and yeah with that comes opportunity and comes yeah, that's yeah true. <laughs> <laughs> comes the ability to kind of ask quite bold questions yeah in a very personable way um, yeah so I find that really interesting. And, yes, if you think about your future and, I guess, yeah. the practice and, well, I guess yourself, like, where do you see yourself yeah. going? I'm actually really happy with the way life's tracking. Yeah. So I think continuing doing more residential would be great and doing, yeah, a little bit of all this kind of other stuff on the side. Yeah. And, um, yeah, whether it's set design or... Um, yeah, or installation or otherwise, mm. that would be, and and the writing, I'm definitely keen to keep going with that. Do you think with set design and installation stuff, there's more room in Australia for it to, like, do you think it could be bigger than what it is? Oh well, yeah, I mean the arts scene in Melbourne is like hobbling with very little funding. So yeah, yeah, definitely. I think um, there would be great to see more of it. Yeah, yeah, because, like, when I was overseas, I found it really interesting that they have this course in Europe called Sonography. We don't have it in Australia. It's, like, basically um, it's something between stud- – like, we've obviously got NIDA and, like, I think the VCA does a course in yeah. set design, like, theatre design. Yeah. And then we've got interior design and then we've got architecture, but we don't actually have, like, a course – called scenography that's like meets in the middle which is yeah. something between um theater design and installations like kind of like what you're doing yeah. where you're an architect but you're also working in like this other realm and yeah. I often like think it would be really cool actually if we had a course yeah that was in that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it would be so amazing and I yeah. think I think as I think that there's money in it in Australia in the, in another sense, which is in the commercial side of it, because yeah, that's true. We've got so many events, like there's yeah. events every week popping up for you know suppliers and all that yeah. kind of stuff, and I feel like yeah, it it does kind of I don't know as I want to research a bit more about it this year, but yeah. it does kind of upset me sometimes because. If you go to Europe or if you work on these like set design projects, yeah. they're so rich and there's yeah. there's very little funding for it and you do you put your heart and soul into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you broke it down to an hourly rate. <laughs> yeah. You kinda I didn't care. <laughs> yeah, you don't you're not financially rewarded for it. Yeah. But but the output of it is mm. so rich and yeah. so valuable. And I remember when I was first doing set design, someone said something to me which really stuck, which was that um was it yeah it was like a lot of film clips get their ideas from really really like low budget theater productions because okay. yeah like that's where 
like if you think about theatre or installations, like that, yeah. that is just like you're running off creativity. You know, yeah. it's, it's like someone who's collaborating, like you said, like with a, with a, um, you're having this conversation with a dancer and you're physically building. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> and then, so then people go and they see that kind of stuff and then in, not all the time, but in some ways can produce film clips. And then yeah. film clips actually have like a huge influence on fashion and on trends and on yeah. design and yeah like I, I personally would love to see yeah that kind of an art scene yeah. thrive more in Melbourne. Yeah <laughs> that would be great. Oh, I'll have my hand up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah that's so cool. And so yeah I guess to finish up um, if you were to look back on your career is there any advice that you would have for yourself? a mentoring program okay. through Melbourne Uni and I oh, met up cool. with my student um, recently and she asked this the same question so it's fresh in my mind but kind of from the perspective of uni like when I was at uni I was so fixated on like getting the best mark and I kind of forgot that it was this like one opportunity in your life to think super independently and mm. really um, just try different things and I think I kind of missed that opportunity a little bit and and in and it also meant that I kind of didn't develop as much as I think I could have in um thinking kind of more independently or being really true to like what what is it that I'm interested in instead of like what is it that my tutor's interested in yeah um so I think yeah I kind of regret that about um my time in study um and I think that, that could have had some better impacts on my career moving forward from there but you know that's probably my my advice to younger Ella <laughs> if I could go back um so that's kind of one regret but I guess one piece of advice from like what I've learned and what I think has been really positive has been just being really active in um searching out opportunities to learn outside mm. of work so um yeah doing the writing has been so amazing seeing and I try and like see people speak or do like open house things and mm. see as much as I can mm. um as often as possible because I think you learn so much from that and it's it's um kind of one thing to read it from a book or see it online but when you see it in the flesh especially in like the age of Instagram when you're like you know just scrolling rapidly um, yeah and then when you go and hear someone actually talk about that work, it's like you see it in this completely different way. Mm. And then when you get to actually visit it, it's like a whole other experience again. So I think um, all of that, I, I think, really helps with the kind of constant process of learning. And, yes, that's something that I'm kind of interested in. And yeah. Oh, that's really amazing advice. <laughs> I think it's also, yeah, it's a um, – it's a tactile way I think that people can sort of especially as well now when you think about Instagram you know I mean I didn't graduate from my master's that long ago but even between that time and now it's like really boomed and yeah I think yeah people maybe there could be a bit of a um it's very well it's always the same for me though uni like it's very easy to just stick online and as like I think time goes on it's going to become yeah like I'm sure portals will just open up where you can access all kinds of information about building design and yeah yeah, I think that's that's really good advice to just like it's yeah just get out there yeah see as much as you can yeah Yeah. okay well thank you so much for your time thanks for inviting me you're welcome (laughs)